It's Jim. It's the World of Bonds. It's Tuesday the 31st of January 2023. This is for professional investors only. Never ever investment advice. Today's word of the day is regret. Um, so it's officially three years after the UK brexited from the EU. And that's obviously led to a slew of, well, how did that go? Articles in the papers this morning. And I think it's probably worth starting with Bloomberg Economics piece um, that came out today. So two of their economists, Anna Andrada and Dan Hansen, um, suggest that the cost to the UK is about just a mere £100 billion per year since we left the EU. And that leaves the UK economy about 4% smaller than if we'd stayed in. Um, to quote them, the main takeaway in uh, is that the rupture from the single market may have impacted the British economy faster than most forecasters expected. Uh, they go on to um, describe Brexit as the UK committing economic self-harm. Now, what they put the big drivers of this relative growth collapse down to is really all about business investment. So in the UK, 9% of our GDP goes on business investment compared to an average of 13% for the rest of the G7. Um, and the rest of the G7 has grown significantly over this period. Uh, the UK's business investment has grown by about a fifth less than the average over the uh, the Brexit period. So that's the big driver. Businesses just don't have the confidence to invest in the UK at the moment. And maybe we see this in the, um, the, the British vault stuff that's been going on around electric batteries for cars, the collapsing car sales to lowest levels since the 1950s, you know, those kind of things. Um, I think we knew that the auto sector would be quite badly impacted, but it seems to be pretty widespread across the UK economy. The other factor they put it down to really is labour shortages and they suggest that there are around about 370,000 missing EU workers, generally um, people who would have come over here were they able to work visa-free here or who left the UK um, to find more lucrative opportunities elsewhere and, and haven't come back. So uh, nearly 400,000 missing workers is helping drive wage inflation higher, it's leading skills shortages and so forth, and some of the pressures that we're seeing in, in areas like the health service, etc., are, are being driven by those labour shortages of missing EU workers. The one kind of bright bit or unexplained bit from the Bloomberg Economics piece today is that it doesn't look from their measures that trade has been impacted in the negative way that people probably assumed it would be. I think that that was where people thought we'd see the biggest negative hit and it doesn't look like trade has been hit as hard as uh, many of us thought it would be. Having said that, Bloomberg does point out again that there are some big methodological got that one out, methodological um, changes going on in the trade data and that makes it a bit difficult to understand at the moment and it may well be that when that all comes out in the wash there has been a hit to trade that, that would probably make common sense I guess but at the moment not much sign of that. Meanwhile on the how's it going barometer uh, the other big piece out today is from the IMF the International Monetary Fund. 
they really stuck the boot in this morning. Um, they have downgraded the UK's economic growth forecast quite substantially and left the UK as the only member of the G7 that they now forecast will have a recession in 2023. So remember, you know, you go back six months ago, um, we were talking about significant US recessions, European recessions. And in fact, you know, may, maybe the, the, the uh, IMF is being too optimistic here because Germany, for instance, um, experienced negative growth, surprisingly, in the fourth quarter of 2022, which um, won't be in these IMF numbers yet. But nevertheless, they do have only the UK being in recession next year. And they also have it the year after 2024, the UK being the joint slowest grower of um, the, the G7. So this year, they've slashed UK growth expectations by nearly 1%, by 0.9%, down to negative 0.6%. And uh, the reasons they put for this are the fiscal tightening that's going through at the moment, in contrast to the, the fiscal easing that Trustonomics would have delivered. Remember, that was all unwound and more under Jeremy Hunt. Uh, there's the rate hikes that have been coming through over successive MPC meetings and uh, we're going to get another hike again this week from the MPC and of course energy bills. I think it's worth saying that you know most of those dynamics are also present elsewhere in the world so th there's nothing really to explain in this IMF analysis why the UK is doing so badly compared to everywhere else in the world but elsewhere if you look at their global growth forecast, the IMF actually raised their GDP for global growth to 2.7% growth from 2.7% to 2.9%, saying that, to quote, adverse risks have uh, moderated since October. And I guess they're talking about things like the fall in the natural gas price, the, the, the significant fall in natural gas price around the world. Um, they're also probably talking about things like, you know, at least stalemate in the war in Ukraine rather than um, something, you know, more, more, um, more damaging to both sides uh, economically. Right. Having said all of that, um, I went to see Keir Starmer give a speech last night to business people. Um, it's arranged by Bloomberg um, and not a word about Brexit of course, and I, I guess uh, there won't be a word from the Labour Party about Brexit at all over the next, I guess, up to two years, which is the the longest period of time that legally the Conservatives can hold on without calling a general election. Um, he was preaching to the choir, of course, on this, but um, I was quite surprised by how much he emphasised that Labour is going to be about productivity growth and not about wealth redistribution. And I, I, you know, again, talking to people who wanted to hear that message, but um, a very difficult thing to deliver productivity growth quickly, um, especially when compared to, I, I guess, tax hikes for the rich to give to people who have had a, a pretty rotten few years here in the UK at the bottom end of the income distribution. Uh, so I think it's a fairly big pronouncement and uh, one that probably markets like, but, um, you know, not one necessarily at the core of Labour Party voters will be too pleased with. Anyway, let's end by looking at the latest opinion polls on Brexit, as this is a Begret special on the uh, podcast today. What does the UK population think? So remember, we were 42 uh, sorry, 52% versus 48% back when the Brexit vote happened in 2016. Now, according to the latest opinion poll published in uh, Guardian today and elsewhere, 
58.5% say Britain would be better off in the EU. So, um, you know, over a 10% rise in effectively remain support. Uh, Professor John Curtis, the kind of, I can't never remember the technical name for an opinion pollster. Uh, I think it begins with PS, something like that. Um, anyway, he, uh, I'm going to just call him professional expert opinion pollster, says that this is being driven by Leave voters changing their minds, which you think would be fairly obvious. But um, he's kind of saying that while the other option is that there's been demographic drift, which is a, a polite way, I guess, for saying that um, Brexit voters were generally uh, an elderly cohort um, who tend to be you know, dying, being replaced by younger voters who are more enthusiastic about uh, Brexit. But what, you, what he's saying is that that is a factor, but the biggest factor is Brexit voters changing their mind and saying that Britain would be better off in the EU. So that's the situation. doesn't look like it will have any impact on policy uh, from anyone over the next couple of years. Um, there was talk of some movement on the Northern Ireland Protocol, but um, not, that's gone pretty quiet as well recently. Let's just compare what's gone on with markets then since 2016. Um, 30-year gilt yields back then were about two and a quarter percent. Now they're about 3.7 percent. Trade-weighted sterling, uh, the currency is down about 15 percent since then. Of course, though, when we look at any statistics relating to Brexit, they're going to be incredibly crowded and clouded by COVID, you know, and um, it's going to be quite hard to isolate what was a COVID impact, what was a Brexit impact. Although I guess at the end of the day, most economies around the world had fairly similar COVID responses. The timings of those were were different. Um, UK did a vaccine rollout more quickly, but ended up with similar death rates to uh, other areas of, uh, of the world. So it is quite hard to disentangle what was Brexit, what was COVID. But I think it, it's quite um, clear that most economists now agree that it's been extremely damaging for the UK. And, it, you know, it's down to the Conservative government, I guess, in the next two years to try and remedy some of that with trade deals um, and other ways of boosting productivity back to where we would have been had we stayed in the EU. Right. Have good days. Bye.